Welcome back to Left on Red, presented by Go Loud with me, Julie Haynes. And me, Brenda Dennehy. I'm actually here in Dublin and our Brenda is... <laughs> her, oh. She's meant to be here, but her flight got delayed, like five oh. hours or something, was it? Yeah, like over five hours. And I had been at Gatwick Airport since seven o'clock this morning. Flight was meant to be at 10 to nine. Flight then was getting delayed. There was something dodgy going on with the plane, technical issue. I didn't really want to get on it when I heard technical issue. Yeah, but I know. Then it was being delayed. Then I heard I got wind that if it's over three hours delayed, you get over 250 euros. So I was hoping it would be three hours delayed and I could still get to Dublin because we had a very special guest. And then it just kept getting delayed, delayed. I think it's still there. All hell was breaking loose. People were, one man was smoking a fag. Another one was like getting absolutely pissed drunk. Made 10 new friends anyway, basically. And then I was like, I'm not going to make Dublin for three o'clock. So I did leave the airport, which was a bit of chaos as well, because we had to be escorted out. It's not as yeah, easy as Yeah, that's right. So like, you, because you went through all the securities and like yeah. passport control and all that, how did you get back out? Like, who brought you out? Or how did you oh, get back out? So, there was a girl that I was chatting to. She was American. She was one of our buddies, Brooke. And she was like, you're not on UK soil anymore. You have to be a scarf. I don't know. I was like, sorry. I just thought I was going to go back through security. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I was like, oh, we're not on UK soil. There was another lad anyway trying to go for a cigarette. But he was trying to get out too. So, I followed him. And then I, I was told, go to the Ryanair desk. There was no one there for like half an hour. So then I got more delayed. And then we did find a guy. He checked our passports, checked our boarding cards. Then we were brought down like to this kind of this like hallway. And he was like, you've put away your phone now. No more recording or whatever. And we went back to where arrivals were. So we'd go back in to UK border control yeah. where customs were, all this kind of stuff. We'd show our passports again. And then we went through arrivals, the part where I pretend I'm famous walking out, out there. And then we all came out there. So we went like down a like private part of the airport, came through. It was just like coming back into the airport. You couldn't just go out the front door. There was just no be... exit door, basically. You nearly had to do the whole rigmarole yeah. again. Yeah, I wonder whole... what would happen if you were after checking in a bag. Bag was still been there and I was lucky enough the bag would have gone probably to Dublin, I guess. And right. then probably sent back. It would have been on me. But like, I'm hoping I will get my compensation from Ryanair. But you know, on Instagram, I said it on Instagram, there's a few there. I didn't get mine at all, no. And uh, you'll have some problems getting it with Ryanair. I'm just replying to everyone going, don't you worry, I'll get my money all right. And even if I don't, I nearly let on I got it because I won't be wrong. I'll get my money. Well, I'll get my money. Well, certainly if they emailed you about it, didn't they? So yeah, they're all emailed. Listen, I will gladly shift my Clolary to get my refund, all right? <laughs> I'd do that without even looking for the refund. So yeah, so I was... I was so gutted because I was so looking forward to meeting our guest. And I was so looking because I, I didn't meet you last week and we did it remote. So like I really, really tried. At one stage I was trying to get on a British Airways flight and everything paying a couple of hundred pounds. But like but here we are. That's what it is. I'm in Dublin. You're back in London. But um, yeah, it's unfortunate because I'd love for you to be here because we're doing our first interview today. So we have a lovely lady called Fiona. Sadly, her sister went abroad to get a bit of cosmetic surgery done and she passed away. Um, so we're going to be speaking to the sister today because I suppose it's no secret look I got cosmetic surgery done so I don't want to be sharing the good saying you know mine was grand mm. it was all good and whatever 
and then you know we have to hear about the bad stories as well yeah and I know there's so many great stories so many success stories so I think our listeners you know it's good to it's not so necessarily good but I think people need to hear these kind of stories as well so we're so grateful for Fiona being so brave coming on and being I our know, guest today I know and today is kind of a completely different episode for us because normally we're a bit of crack and you know um, upbeat and positive yeah but today's podcast is going to be that little bit different it's just a bit of a change in tone for us uh, more of a serious topic and today we are so grateful that Fiona has been so brave to actually come in and speak to us about her sister and her harrowing story Fiona is here with us now thanks so much for coming in with us no problem Fiona can you tell us a small bit of your sister's decision to travel to Turkey yeah so she had been thinking about the operation for a long time and she had researched it in both Ireland and in Turkey but obviously the cost difference between Ireland and Turkey is massive so she began researching clinics in Turkey about 12 months before um, her procedure She was travelling out there for gastric sleeve and to get her teeth done. And basically she she made the decision to go. She believed she had found a really good clinic and she decided to travel out there because she had seen a lot online about people who had had good experiences. Um, so she thought it was the right decision for her. So she wanted to go to Turkey for the teeth and the sleeve in that one trip? Yeah. So when she got to Turkey then, do you know if, like in my experience, like I had like a chauffeur, I had like private transfers and stuff. Was that the case with your sister? Yeah, she was collected at the airport in a limo. She had been booked into a Hilton hotel. Like as far as she was concerned, these were going to be minor procedures and she was going to rest up in a hotel and fly home delighted with life. And, you know, after saving a fortune on surgery in Ireland, I think she really felt this was going to be a positive experience. And that's unfortunately not what happened. I know, I know. And the plan was to do the cheat first. Yeah, so she flew over on the Friday and I believe it was the Saturday she went in to get her teeth filed down. I had texted her on the Sunday and said, like, how are things going over there? And she replied to say, not good. She was in a lot of pain and she sent me a picture of her teeth filed down and you know, she said she never expected the pain she was in and that she was only being given paracetamol. And, you know, she was calling for nurses. They weren't coming. Um, and it wasn't until the following day then that a doctor arrived to examine her and she was given proper pain relief. When she was given proper pain relief for the teeth, she had actually recorded a video to say that After the pain she was left in on the previous night with her teeth, she was now unsure of going ahead with the sleeve, that she wasn't confident with the amount of pain she was left in overnight. Um, She also said that they had brought the consent forms to her for the sleeve operation, but she was also due to be operated on for a reflux issue along with the bariatric surgery. But this reflux operation wasn't listed in the consent forms. Um, So she had sent them away to amend the paperwork. Mm. And she also said that she she just wasn't sure about going ahead. And at that stage, though, was her teeth finished? 
or no. just half done? So basically when she got her teeth shaved down, they never capped them and she was going to go into this bariatric surgery without her teeth being capped. Being fully, was the plan to do the teeth, let's do this first and then go in for the... Yeah, I, I do believe that was the plan. Originally, but, yeah. You know, she thought that she would have temporary teeth. Yes. You know, and I think that's probably what should have been done if things were being done properly and correctly. And I think that was like a huge red flag to my sister as well, you know. And I suppose that's why she kind of wanted to stop it. Yeah, she was having doubts, like she was having major doubts about having the sleeve operation, you know, so. Like to me, it just seems all very rushed. Yeah. It was all very rushed. And was there like a translator with her? During all this time? Yeah, there was a translator, I think, but she only seen the translator like maybe once a day. You know, they weren't at her bedside like, you know, as if she would have had a companion there. You know, she had access to a translator, but they wouldn't have been with her all the time. They were just like in maybe once or twice. And when she sent the consent form back to be amended, Mm -hmm. did the consent form come back amended, do you know? You see, we weren't on to her again until after, like I think that all happened she went into the surgery then, but it was a friend of hers later on said that she hadn't signed the, the consent, consent form. form. So she went into the surgery. Was she alert after the? Yeah, so she woke up from the surgery and she was in excruciating pain, like excruciating pain. I had spoken to her on the telephone a couple of times um, to ask like what was going on, what yeah. was happening was she being given pain relief and she told me that she had been on to a couple of people who had had the operation done and it was quite normal to be in a lot of pain for the first 24 hours okay. and that she needed to get up and walk around um, so that's what she was going to do and basically at around the 48 hour mark then post-surgery the translator contacted my mother to say that they had found a leak and that she was being brought back into to surgery and she was intubated after this surgery for five days. Now, the translator in the hospital led us as a family to believe that this wasn't that serious, you know, that they were just giving her time to rest her body and that she was going to be okay. She's going to make a full recovery, basically. This was, you know, normal stuff. Like, And she did come out of... I see you after the five days and we were on the phone to her. Um, and what way was the pain at that stage then She was still in an awful lot of pain. There was still a leak and we... Do you know what caused the leak? Was it just something that happened or... Like... What's your explanation for this leak? Like there was no real explanation given by the clinic. You know, it was just that... There was a leak. There was know. a leak. And then they yeah. brought her back into second surgery to fix this leak. But yeah. clearly never fixed what no, this leak. No, they didn't. Um, but sepsis set in at that stage. Um, and that's when things became very serious. But again, we were told she was being treated. And like I was texting her the day before she passed. And, you know, you could tell that she was exhausted from everything that was going on and that she was in pain. But and what you, day was this now that you were texting her? Um, so I was texting her on the Thursday. I was actually on a video call to her the Thursday. And like it was kind of hard to understand her because she had a mask on. But I was texting her. I was like, what's going on? Like, I need to know what's your condition? Like, what are they telling you? And she told me that her stats were normal and that her lungs were fine because she was breathless. I had asked her, you know, was she breathing okay? And she said, my stats are normal. My lungs are fine. And I said, so is it just a case of 
recovering until you're fit to fly. And she said, yeah, exactly. And then, you know, she was asking me normal stuff about home. How are the kids? And, you know, so I obviously didn't let myself worry too much. At that, like at that point, I was like, OK, well, if she's talking to me normally about how are the kids and how are things at home, she mustn't be in that horrific 100% level of pain if her mind is able to go to normal chit chat. Yes, exactly. exactly. Yeah. So I kind of, my worry levels went down at that stage. You relaxed, you, know. you were able to relax the course. Exactly. Yeah. And then I woke up to a phone call on the Saturday morning that she was gone. You know, when you got the phone call from, was it one of the doctors? No, it wasn't me who got the phone call. So um, it was my sister, Michelle, got the phone call from the clinic. But prior to that, they had tried to ring my mum, who's in her 70s, and she just missed the call. But thank God she missed the call because she, you know, she lives on her own. It would have been absolutely horrific for her to get that phone call. So was your sister that... It was my sister, Michelle, that took the phone call from the clinic. And like... The way they explained it was like that Carol had had a heart attack during the night, but they brought her back and Michelle was like, oh, thank God. And then they said, but she went into cardiac arrest an hour later and we couldn't bring her back. Um, so like the way it started, the phone conversation was like there was an incident. Yes. But we brought her back. Yeah. And Michelle was, you know, thinking that. Oh, things great. are great. Yeah, yeah, if, yeah. But then, but she cardiac arrested an hour later, and we couldn't bring her back, so she's died. Um, you know, and it was it was done. I don't know. I suppose in a very clinical way, like there was no, we're sorry for your loss, or there was nothing like that. It was just very matter of fact. It was just, it was very hard. Like you know, of course. And what about the hospital in general? Like even when she was in intensive care, were they ringing? Were they up? No, the, like it was, it was us that was on. Well, it was my mom and my sister Michelle that were liaising with the interpreter. Yeah. Um, and the hospital. Uh, but was it up to them to be picking up the phone and constantly ringing? There was no like. No, like if we weren't on to them all the time, but like. We asked a good few times, like, does somebody need to be on a plane out there? What's happening? Yeah. And they were like, no, absolutely not. Like, Everything you know, is going to be fine. Yeah, but like, you know, they were medical professionals. We trusted what yeah. they were telling us. You know, we had no idea that things were as serious as they were. You know, that's not what was portrayed to us at all. And in all this time, she was in this clinic where mm-hmm. they just do cosmetic surgeries. She was never transferred no, to another hospital. No, she was hospital. never transferred to another hospital. She she stayed in the clinic where the surgery was. Do you think that would have made a difference if... They, yeah, I do. I do. I, I, do. I feel like, you know, um, she would have been given better treatment you know it's just a matter of opinion that yeah if if she was in you know a medical setting setting things may have been different yeah perhaps it's hard to know without like having been there myself you know I was know. it your brother and your sister who went to Turkey to it was, yeah. go over? Yeah. And what were they, like for the post-mortem, what were the clinic, like how did they deal with your brother and sister? So they had to make a criminal complaint of medical negligence to the police when they got to Turkey. And then the police and the lawyers went to the hospital to get all of her medical notes. Okay. Um, but the hospital, like they weren't very forthcoming, like only for... The police, the police and the there. lawyer. And it must have been yeah. hard as well because of the language barrier. Yeah. Well, the, the lawyers spoke English it, and good. Turkish. And yeah. Turkish as well. Yeah. I know myself from working on radio before. Oh my God, if you heard that someone had 
died abroad and everything mm-hmm. and the ordeal bringing it home. Who was the trust that he used? So we initially contacted the Kevin Bell Repatriation Amazing. Trust for information on how to bring Carol home. And they were just out of this yeah. world. They literally so took over everything. And, you know, in that time of absolute deep grief, it just took one worry away from my parents and my family, you know. So I just couldn't say enough good things about them. They were amazing. Yeah, they're an amazing trust. Mm -hmm. And can you tell us a a small bit about Carol or? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, so Carol was 42 and she was my big sister. She was a great girl, a kind person, a loyal friend and she had a great group of friends. She loved her family and loved getting together, family events, cousins. She was a great mom to her two boys. That's Lo- right, she had two boys. Tell yeah. me how old were the two boys when it happened? Um, so Lee was 19 and Corey was 16 when this happened, so... Oh, and like, how do you tell those two boys that their mom went over to Turkey to hopefully, like, as you said, what was the thing she said to her mom? Oh, that she'd be back in two weeks with her pearly whites. And uh, she obviously said that to the boys as well. Yeah, like, yeah. How to break that to those two young boys yeah. that were so young at the time. Yeah. Like, how are they doing now? Um, They're coping really well. You know, obviously... They were distraught on Carol's death, but um, they were really resilient. My nephew, Lee, has his head really screwed on and they chose to stay together at home. You know, they just wanted to be together and they're they're doing really well. Like Lee, Lee's an excellent big brother to Corey and, you know, Corey is extremely sensible for his age you know he's and by the sounds of it you have a fabulous family so no doubt they're all they have a great support network around them of course they do how long ago was that actually? Um, it was just 12 months April 30th is when she passed away so 12 months previous yeah and you were actually telling me earlier about a Facebook page. Can you talk about yeah, that Facebook um, page? So please? there is a Facebook page called Victims of Botched Surgery and Malpractice Patient Support UK. I discovered this page, obviously, after Carol passed away while looking into all these different clinics in Turkey. And what I found when I joined those Facebook support groups was... Horrific. I mean, there's horror stories of girls travelling over to get cosmetic procedures done and they've ended up with, you know, really serious, serious life changing complications. I think if Carol had discovered these pages before she went, it might have swayed her decision to go. And I think that anybody who's considering going to Turkey for a cosmetic procedure should look into some of these groups and just see and hear the stories of people who have went over. I know they have a botched list where they list uh, a lot of surgeons who would be, I suppose, known Known, for botched procedures. So, like, I mean, that information in itself is really valuable. So... I would advise anybody that's going just to really do their research before they get in the plane. Like, you know, a lot of clinics I discovered after and from being on those groups, their bad reviews get taken down because they're threatened with legal action. So the patient is nearly scared. Exactly. People people are afraid and they end up withdrawing their reviews. And, you know, it's just like 
a lot of these clinics are flying under the radar because of that, you know, and that's how people are getting caught out. So you know? people are actually posting these Facebook pages and be like, I went out to Istanbul or wherever yeah. the case may be, I got X, Y and Z done and this yeah. is what's after happening to me. Yeah, just exactly. people come out, it's a brilliant page to yeah. know of and like we're definitely going to note this now in the notes so that people can go or even mm. link it or something yeah. so they can go and obviously do the research before yeah. they book anything, whether that's here in Ireland or abroad. But like since hearing of your sister Carla, I'm I'm actually coming across so many stories. Yes. Like because obviously I'm doing the research there the last week or two and mm-hmm. it's absolutely frightening, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. It's like I mean scary. Carol never thought that she would be one of the horror stories the that you yeah. hear about, you know, one of these statistics. Everybody thinks it will happen to somebody else, but mm. it happened to her, you know. And happened to your Fiona, family. Have you, like, connected with other families <laughs> out of that group? I haven't, to be honest with you. I just, you know, it's very hard for us to talk about it. And yeah. now we did, look, we posted about her story in those mm-hmm. groups when... It initially happened just to try and, and warn. Where's awareness? Yeah, yeah, so I suppose it would have been the admins on those groups that we would have had back and forth with at the time. And, you know, if people had questions about it underneath, we would we would answer those questions for them. Yeah. So, yeah, it's just, it's been difficult. But, like, I've heard of lots of stories and people in Ireland in particular since who've flown over and unfortunately had the same fate as Carol. And you think, like you're saying, that Carol has she had done a lot of uh, research. Yeah, like Irish people are doing enough research. She believed she had done enough research. You know, she um, had connected with a community of people on Facebook who had been over and had, you know, been through these procedures. Um, but you know, like I suppose, not everything we see on the internet <laughs> is true. Yes, you exactly. Know? exactly. It's. Um, I, I suppose your main message is even though Carol did do the research you almost for anyone listening are you kind of saying you're deterring you want to deter them from going abroad and it's more so Look, listen, do it in Ireland ignore the cost I suppose it's one of these things there's risks with every procedure you're going to get and look people are going to have operations but yeah, it's 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 the research, just making sure that you absolutely have the correct research. Go on to those groups, check it out. The other thing is, I know it's expensive in Ireland, but when things go wrong and they do go wrong, you're at home. You know, you're not, you know, a, a five hour flight nice. away from your family, you know. Things are more accessible. You have people to advocate for you. It's just everything becomes more difficult when you're away from home. And like that, just research, research, research and make sure that you're absolutely satisfied. You know, it's not just the hospital you need to research. It's the surgeon carrying out the procedure. You know, there's so many factors. Anybody that's going to be involved in your care, you need to research every aspect of it. Don't just think, oh, that clinic has a great review. Like the clinic might be fine. They might be taking on a surgeon that's come from a different clinic with really bad reviews. Absolutely. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? So the clinic can have a great reputation. It doesn't mean your surgeon does and vice versa, you know, because when the surgeon drops his tools at the end of the day, it's the nursing staff there that are left caring for you, you know. Yeah. 
you need to check out every aspect and just make sure you're absolutely certain that you're you're satisfied with where you're going. And I suppose the repercussions of if the worst happens and what if you don't come home? You know, my sister left two sons behind her. You know, she never thought that that was going to happen. And she probably didn't consider that that was even a possibility. So... That's just what I'd say to anybody considering going is just, you know, make absolutely certain that you have your ducks in a row, really. Absolutely. Fiona, we think you're amazing. Yeah, thank you so much, Fiona, for coming on and sharing your story. Yeah, you're amazing, Fiona. Thanks so much, Fiona, for getting in touch and for sharing your story with us. I know it wasn't easy for you. We so appreciate it. Also, for any of the listeners, if there's any story you would want to share with me and Julie, please get in touch with our email left on redpod22 at gmail.com. Our Instagram is left on redpod. And contact me, Brenda's Bits, on my Instagram and on Julie's Instagram, Julie uh, Twins and me, and just let us know. Send us a direct message. Thanks so much, Fiona. We appreciate it. Thank you, Fiona. You're welcome. Speak to you guys all next week. We will be back to our normal format. And you all know what that's like. Anything could turn up in the pod. So we look forward to that. Until then. From me, Julie Haynes. From me, Brenda Dinehy. Bye. Bye, guys. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.